Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fox Rugby Podcast. I'm Sam Worthington. I'm going to guide you through this one uh, with Sean Maloney uh, over in Dubai for the Sevens. I'm joined today by former Wallaby Stephen Hoyles. How are you, Steve? Good, thank you, Sam. And Christy Doran, who's wearing a very colourful shirt and he's making a bit of a mess of the podcast room with some falafel. How are you, Christy? Splendid, mate. Yeah, thank you very much for the introduction. And Sean, we can hear you loud and clear from Dubai. How are things over there? You, you're gearing up for the opening leg of the, the World 7 Series. Boys, we're not far away from kickoff. It's uh, around about 8 o'clock of the morning here. So our first women's match is underway at midday. And off we go. We are ready to rock and roll. One of the standout events of the Rio Olympics about to get off the running again in the HSBC World Series. I can't wait. It's rolled around pretty quick, hasn't it, with obviously the Olympics uh, there. There hasn't been too much of an off-season for everyone. And, and what are the big uh, off-season storylines? There's been a lot of coaching changes um, for starters, hasn't there? There has. There's been uh, a number, of, particularly the men's side of things, number of changes. Uh, a lot of player movement as well in, across the women's and a few in the men's as well. So, yeah, that's, there's that sort of transition because so many of these players that obviously been playing sevens with the dream of representing their countries in Rio. They've had that chance for some now. They they hang them up and others go around again. But the Australian team, the Australian women's team, look quite well settled. They have got seven of their gold medal winning women ready to roll around here in Dubai. And on the men's side, well, they've made a few changes, haven't they, Halsey? Yeah, well, the men, they've, they've been forced to. And that's probably one of the, the good things about our women's side, that one gold in in Rio, there's only a couple of members that were right at the end of their career where the, the majority of that squad was pretty young still, whereas the Kiwi side, who the Aussies beat in that women's final, a lot of those ladies were probably towards the end of their career. So I think the women still have a, you know, a fair way to go until they reach their potential, and that's, that's a scary but good thought. But the men's, yeah, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to put the mocker on them at all, but I think it's going to be a, a tough start to the World Series for our Aussie men's side just because we've lost a lot of players. You know, we had a fair few guys come into the squad for that were super rugby players, you know, the likes of Nick Cummins and Henry Spade. And although we didn't see all of them in, in Rio, the, the vast majority of that squad has now moved on to other things. So it's a pretty young and inexperienced men's side. Shawnee, it's a bit of a weird situation, mate. We've got Ed Jenkins, who's been the captain for a number of years, and he's not actually skippering the season, the side this season. Sam Myers is going to captain in Dubai. Uh, what do you make of that decision? Because clearly uh, Louis Holland was going to skip at the side, but he's got a, a season and an in injury. Is it, uh, is it just passing on the guard and, and, and giving that opportunity for, for other players to get experience in that leadership role? Yeah, well, the reason that uh, Ed sort of handed up the captaincy, he just wants to concentrate on the week-to-week -week and uh, what it takes to continue ticking along as a player on the series. So that was the reason behind that. As you mentioned, mate, Louis Holland, he's over here as well, so he's got the club captain. And uh, Sam Myers, I expect Sam to go particularly well, especially if he's the uh, sort of captain where it's lead by example, because I, I thought he was one of the best players on his seven side last year. And it's hazy, Hoylesy. August is hazy, but I, I think I'm right in saying that Sam Myers didn't go to Rio. Am I right in saying that? Well, yeah, Sean, you're off and right, and you are again on, on this instance. He didn't go, and there's there's a bit of talk at the time was that he was injured, but I think if it was if push came to shove, they may have been able to get him fit, but that probably weighed against him in the selection when it came down to the, the final the final selection decision because he was coming back from injury. But, yeah, I agree with you. 
Um, I thought he was probably one player that we need in that seven squad because he's a big body. He can break the line. He can get an offload. And we don't have much of that. You know, we've got a lot of guys in the... Ed Jenkins, who's on the wing, who can finish. Henry Hutchinson. We've got Louis Holland, who's our ball player. But uh, we've got Chucky Stannard, who's our sweeper in defence and our, our bit of a playmaker in the middle. And we don't have a huge amount of those, um, you know... Uh, ball playing or ball running forwards you know the, the Kiwis had you know a good example of New Zealand and Australia sevens last year was that Liam Messam wasn't good enough to make that New Zealand sevens side and we would have killed for a Liam Messam in our side a big forward and I think Myers can fill that role for us hopefully this year. Who's gonna who's gonna play playmaker in this uh, this round with with Louis Holland uh, out of action? Sorry go again Sorry, go again, buddy. Uh, who, who's going to play as the playmaker with Louis Holland on the sidelines? Oh, you've got... Uh, you have got Sam um, Cameron, who's come in alongside uh, Chuck Stannard, who knows how to get it done. And there's another guy who you guys are going to keep an eye on this weekend, Charlie Taylor, in the number 11 jersey for the Australian men's side. He, um, from what I've heard, is quite a handy player. He's come across from... Rugby league, so keep an eye on him, Charlie Taylor. Interesting. You can watch uh, all of this on Fox Sports, folks, uh, live and exclusive. Um, Sam, Sam Keslick, who you touched on, mates. So obviously, Charlotte Keslick's uh, brother, who's very well known to Aussie Sevens fans. What, what sort of player is uh, is Sam? Well, I haven't seen a whole lot of Sam Keslick, to be honest, um, Sammy, but I do know that he's been playing Sevens for quite some time. He's... Uh, he Dabble, I believe, with the tribe set up, so um, they have helped. They have really helped shape a number of the people who represent Australian men's and women's. So I expect. Uh, I tell you what, if he's as quarter as good as his mm. sister, then look out. Absolutely, Sean. There's a lot to, that goes on in Dubai, um, in and around the sevens. Have you managed to get yourselves out and about? There's a wave pool over there. There's indoor skiing, snowboarding. Like surely you've you've gone and and got amongst it in the, the first couple of days? Oh, it's... I tell you what, I, I don't know... I don't know if I was just in a, in a haze, in a haze the last time I was here, but, fellas, the prices seem to have jacked up a little bit. Maybe it's exchange what? rate. Um, Why were you in a haze, I'm, mate? I'm, I'm skint. Why were you in a, I'm, in a haze? There's a desert haze. There's a desert <laughs> haze over here. It settles on the, yeah, it settles on the city. So, uh... You went in a per, not in a personal haze. I'm in a hotel room and doing my notes. No, 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 not, a, not, a, not, a, not one of those. So, um... But you're right, it's, it's a massive, massive tournament. So they have a number of invitational teams, sevens and tens. Uh, they have a women's netball tournament that runs alongside and in and around this huge precinct on the outskirts of town. So it is jam-packed, and uh, I can't wait. It's, it's one of the great tournaments, the Dubai Sevens. Is uh, Dubai where the Hoff made his appearance last year? That was Hong Kong, wasn't no, it? Hong Kong. That's yeah. Hong Kong, mate. We had breakfast now. with the Hoff. That's in Hong Kong. Kong. Where does where does Dubai like spice, stack up? Funnily enough, doesn't like spice. Doesn't D- like spice. D- what say again, Christy? Where does Dubai stack up on the Sevens uh, tour? A long way up there, mate. Because a lot of a lot of obviously a lot of expats here in uh, in this desert city, and it goes berserk. So it's really highly regarded, and also because it's the first tournament of the series people tend to just go that little bit more crazy after being repressed for a few months <laughs> <There you go. laughs> mate uh, bit of touch on fiji and the men's side of things obviously ben ryan's moved on um and there's a wonderful documentary actually doing the rounds uh online about 18 minutes long of the fijian team in there 
journey to the Olympics. But uh, a new coach, um, they've got an interim coach for the time being. Have, have they had much turnover in terms of players? Yeah, you have a look at their side for the tournament here, and there are a few missing from their gold medal winning team. Uh, I don't expect that will be too much of a drama, though, because they are so stacked in terms of depth for their seven sides. So I don't imagine that'll be too much of a drama. Uh, so and on that, is there on a chance for Jared Hayne? Oh, mate, uh, Lindsay, well, don't you know, go sensationalising, mate. Cheap We've been g- through this. Cheap gags, mate. Yeah. Just like your shirt. <laughs> yeah. Cheap shirt, cheap gags. Stick the teabag in the table and your play ratings, mate. For the Hain man. We don't need to bring back the Hain plane like that. He's, he's happy, mate. He's on the Gold Coast. Um, like, don't start that. Tall poppy syndrome, isn't it? Yeah, no. Okay. Listen, uh, just on that, that documentary, like you said, it's an absolute screen piece of TV. Uh, it is 18 minutes worth watching, and it gives you a great feel for just how much Sevens means to that that tiny little island in the Pacific. And there are these epic shots, these drone shots, of the guys running up the sand dunes in Singatoka. Boils in ice, but we have a crack at it back in uh, September. And great news were, though, and Chris, you actually beat Boilsy up most of the sand dunes we raced. Stephen, uh, care to comment on that, Matt? <laughs> We've got footage that says otherwise. but <laughs> It is amazing scenes. You, you have a look at that HSBC documentary and the drone footage. Uh, I, I, I don't want to say whether it was or wasn't Game of Drones production, but it is quality drone footage. And those sand dunes are tough. Like, and it's amazing to see that they don't have uh, top, top facilities. They've got a pretty average field. Uh, the boys jump over a river to get to training. They run up sand dunes. Like they've just got literally the bare minimum, and they came out with gold. It's a, it's a remarkable story, and, and I really hope that the Aussies go well in Dubai, but we all love seeing the Fijians turn on, don't we? So, Sean, it's fair I to... Think, s- uh, I think South Africa... Carry on, mate. I think they'll finish. They'll certainly be in the final, and uh, I think the Aussie women will be super tough to beat them to face New Zealand again in the cup final uh, here in Dubai. Yeah, it does look like it might be sort of status quo in terms of men's and women's with Australia and Fiji looking very, very strong. Are there any uh, Smokies, any any of these developing nations um, that, that, that might be able to challenge the top dogs this season? Uh, over the course of the season, I think there certainly is. Uh, were they, but just for this first up one, I think, think South Africa will come out firing. Nice. All right, boys, any other thoughts on the sevens before we move into the 15-man game? Nah, let's talk about 15s now. Let Sean get back to his buffet over there and get himself primed for his calling. Can I... Well, hang on a second. Before before I jump out and I'll leave you you guys to do uh, what you need to do around the Australia-England preview... You can stay on the Um, line, mate. That's fine. What... I just want to go into the head of Christy Doran, who's sitting there eating his falafel sandwich. I've just got it on my uh, Instagram stories at the moment. His falafel's gone, he's throwing his tea bags out. I just into the mind there of Christy, and I just want to, I just want to ask a question yeah, around some of your articles this week. Oh, right, I've been hearing a bit about this from Slats and Hoylesy today already. <laughs> Well, I, I, no, I'm just asking the question. It just seems to be skewed massively in the direction of England. I'm trying to understand why that's the case. Oh, look, Are I'm you English, Christy? <laughs> I, I'm certainly not, mate. I think we established that last week when we were talking about the Irish and, and how great it's been watching them knock uh, topple the, the All Blacks. No, quite frankly, I thought there was um, 
an interview earlier in the week with, with Glenn Eller and I thought, look, this is a, a perfect time to speak to Glenn because he, he certainly spent that series with, uh, with, um, with Eddie Jones down under um, and, and he made some interesting observations and comments. So th- it, was, it was worthwhile touching base and, and um, hearing what, what, how Eddie Jones perhaps has kind of developed or perhaps grown as a, as a coach. Um, so that was that was certainly one one yarn that came out of the week. You obviously read the story, uh, Shawnee. So that's that's the main thing. We got the traffic there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if that's what we need to do, <laughs> if that's what we need to do. I'm happy to to keep you guys employed by just clicking on those articles. No problem. Yeah, the coaching battle has um, obviously overshadowed all the the build up yet, yet again, um, and we'll, we'll segue into this now. And uh, the difference being from June is Michael Check is engaged in the verbal warfare this time. He's he's Ooh, hasn't he? He's bit back uh, yeah. big time. Um, what do we make of all of that? I, I think it is a, a sideshow to the real event, which will you know the actual players on the field, which we'll move on to shortly. But just uh, thoughts, anyone on on the decision by Check? It obviously was a conscious decision that yeah, okay, I'm going to bite back this time. Well, again, I like seeing a bit of chat between coaches. I, I don't really like to see my own name in between that, that chat. That's <laughs> that's probably not not what you're making more headlines than you did. Yeah, in the I, know. I feel like I um, yeah, that's <laughs> still getting brought up. And again, I, I'm I'm glad Check came out and had a crack back. I think the players would respond to that well. I do like to see coaches having a bit of bit of feeling in it. Um, I'm interested. I'm generally interested to see if what it would be like after a game. Would they, you know, go and shake hands, which I'm sure they would. Would they have a beer? I don't know. I, just, I don't know if the relationship's strained now, but, um, you know, these guys are both passionate about what they want to achieve for their, their nations, and Czech's point was, was pretty interesting about, you know, tarnishing his legacy and whatnot, but um, only time will tell that, won't it, what, what really happens. But I, I, am, I think it's in Michael's nature to, you know, stand up for himself and fire back. I probably think it was against his nature in June to say something so probably just doing what he knows how to naturally do and that's you know stand up for himself and show a bit of fight. You're going to be able to watch this game over there in in Dubai Shawnee? So the the Wallabies England game will kick off around about an hour before the final here the cup final Mm. on Saturday Um, so it's going to be it's going to be a split screen situation won't be the first one I've ever split screen but uh that's what's going to be happening. I'll be keeping one eye on the sevens and obviously one eye. Uh, imagine, the, I mean, imagine the data I'm going to go through uh, on the Fox Sports Company dime. Big data. Streaming an Australia England game in Dubai. Well, on that note, uh, we neglected to mention last week that we'd safely retrieved uh, your laptop from the from the bus. Um, so that's great news for all the all the <laughs> listeners. You, you dodged a, a bullet there, Sean. Yeah, I thought it would be the right thing to do to drop a sack off to the who uh, saw its safe return to the, uh, the depot as well. So all as well as well, fellas. And you know what? I think I'd like for you to discuss the finer points of the Australia v England game this week. But I will say this. I have not been excited about a test since probably since the 2013 decided from the Wallabies and Lions. I just hope... And wasn't that, that a fizzer? Firing. And I will be cheering loud and proud. Go the Wallabies. Good stuff, mate. Have a uh, great call today, and see you later. He's gone. <laughs> He's gone. What about that, eh? His credit's <laughs> run out. 
<laughs> Talk about finish on your own terms. <laughs> Jesus, Sean. He's just uh, dropped the mic He's there. an impatient man, I tell you. Oh, I told you it was the buffet. I think it shuts at about... It shuts at 8.30... <laughs> They and he's got two minutes to get there. They flying. <laughs> they, do a, they do an early uh, finish to the buffet in those parts. I tell you what, if yeah, it's an early start there. It's so hot, you get stuff done before. You know, stay out of the heat of the day in Dubai. But I tell you what, I fear the person if Sean Maloney misses his buffet breakfast mm. and he has to have a conversation with someone at the kitchen. Yeah. I fear for that person because he would give him an absolute gobful. Yeah. Fair enough. Probably ask for keys to the kitchen himself. <laughs> <laughs> get the five burners back on. We're going again. That's it. Um, let's uh, touch on the Wallabies Island game, which obviously ended uh, the Grand Slam hopes, disappointingly. Um, yeah, a bit frustrating that they allowed Ireland to, to get away to such a start. They were pretty flat, weren't they, for a game that had so much on the on the line. Took a while to work their way into the credit to the Irish, but 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 just why weren't they a bit more into that game? Yeah, I don't. Too? I actually don't think they were flat. I thought they was sort of looked like there was good energy and whatnot, but. Um, You've got to pay credit to Ireland's defence and probably more importantly their discipline. The Irish have given away something like 11 to 12 penalties in three test matches. Mm. 11 and three, I think, yeah. Yeah, like that's remarkable. And when you don't give away penalties and your defence has got good line speed, you you make it hard for teams to attack. Yeah, we gave away, you know, 17 points and that that almost looked like it was too much. And we did so well to get ourselves back in the game. That first 20 minutes or the last five of the first half probably the first 20 of the second half, that's some of the best footy the Wallabies have played. And the intensity and pace of that game was was enormous and it was a really good test match. It just We just got beaten by a side that got off to a good start and, and they're a good side, the Irish. So um, really, fr- probably the most frustrating game as a Wallabies fan for the last four or five years for mine watching just because um, it felt like we, we showed a, a formula what what was working in that second half. Every time we ran hard, cleaned out well, kept good depth and alignment and nice passing through the hands. We scored tries and we had a formula that worked, but then we went away from it a little bit. So, And you just know that what was on the line, the fact they would have gone into this England game undefeated. You, you know what I find interesting about what you've just said there, Hoyles? Sam started the question by saying the Wallabies being too flat. And I think if people would look at the scoreline of the first half of the first 30 minutes, it was 17-zip and you'd go, oh, the Wallabies are playing terribly. I agree. I don't think that they were. I think... Ireland was just controlling the ball extremely well. They, they they weren't dropping possession. They weren't handing it over cheaply. And and Hoyles, you just said that the, the second half, the second 20 minutes of the, the last 20 minutes of the game was the more frustrating aspect of it. So it's interesting, like, if you if you look at just purely stats alone, you, you certainly don't get the full picture because it was a cracking test match. And, it, yeah, it was disappointing to see the Wallabies give away a game that, hey, they've come back, they've hit the lead, they're doing everything right, and then they slightly went away from that and probably just gave away ball a little bit too easily in that second half. Steve, just uh, mentally, from the players' perspective, obviously they'll be a bit deflated from the Grand Slam opportunity gone, but uh, no shortage of motivation, obviously, with what happened in, in June. And this, I mean, this game can really change the colour of the whole season, can't it? The, the win-loss record isn't great as it stands, but if they can knock off England, uh, the world number two team, and shut Eddie Jones up, they'll have a pretty good summer's holiday, won't they? Well, I read today we, we finished the season as number two in the world, which will probably change once the Six Nations goes on in February, but still. Um, yeah, and, and maybe that's got... It's a little bit of why Michael Cech has been out there and, and it's been pretty aggressive between the coaches, is to try and just keep his players on edge and keep it all a, a little bit spicy, but... I think those players will be so determined and they're, they're filthy and disappointed and humiliated. These are the words the players have been using about how the June series went. So 
regardless of if they were coming to a play for a Grand Slam, they always knew they got a chance to get England at Twickenham at the end of the year. And it won't make um, an average season or, you know, won't make it a great season, but it will still give them something to go into next next year with a bit of a spring in the step. And, and that last game on tour, that's almost the best week because, you know, you're so excited to play this last game. Like, you, you get four or six weeks off after this, and you love playing footy, so you do miss it in that time off. But you're also looking forward to getting a break and, you know, getting away for a bit. So that last game of the season is always, for mine, one of the more enjoyable and the, probably one that's got most the most amount of energy in it from a player's point of view. You look at, if you look at the equivalent of England when they came out here, their third test, their last game of the season, there's points galore because players are just trying everything, running it from everywhere. It's always an exciting game. I think this will be the same. And the Wallabies will have pretty good memories of Twickenham by and large as well. A pretty good record there recently. Just going through a bit of the team news from both uh, both sides. Billy Vonapola is the latest uh, Englishman to to be ruled out with injury, and that's a really big loss, isn't it? The the number eight they've obviously uh, already lost to Toje, their their other big gun there in the forward pack. So um, they're, they're scrambling a little bit, aren't they? They're going to have Nathan Hughes, the Fijian-born um, number eight, who's another big body. He's going to come in there. But uh, Christy, just just going through that England side. Uh, it, it's not, certainly not as strong on paper as the one that came out here in June. No, it's not. They've, they've, and if you look at the players that are out, they've got, uh, as you as touched upon there with Benny, Billy Villampolo, who's out, but they've also got James Haskell, who was tackled himself into the ground in that match in Melbourne, um, which was a phenomenal defensive performance. Um, and then they've got, also have got Mario Toje, who's missing, who the world rookie player of the year, and rightly so. He was, he was brilliant right the way through. And when you take out those three... Uh, that's a huge loss for Eddie Jones in the side, and, um, and and it's not just those guys. It's the couple of guys in the wing as well. When you've got Anthony Watson, who's a pretty good finisher, and, and then um, and then Jack Noel as well. So five five players, a third of the team from the starting fifteen, they're, they're out. Um, still a pretty handy outfit though. Like the good front row, and um, George Cruz is back now, and uh, so the Wallabies are going to have their hands full, no doubt about it. It's it really comes down to me for discipline. If they can try to shut out that and, and not give away the penalties and give Owen Farrell the opportunity to post points, they're going to be right in the contest, and 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 they would be confident to win. Yeah, it looks like David Pocock's um, pilfering ability has been a little bit negated by the the referees up up north, and, and the type of game it seems like he's not getting away with as as much as he maybe would like, would like to. Oh, he had a, a really big influence against. The French, but the, the, probably the way the French play suits David Pocock because it's a little bit more erratic and open and that opens more opportunities for a flanker like him. Whereas Ireland, England, Scotland, I suppose, they're all a little bit more structured with how their attack is. So they tend to run with you know, good support close by, which doesn't allow too many opportunities on the ball. But yeah, he, you know, he's, he's probably got an eye kept on him and, and the Wallabies at the moment, they, they just seem to have this reputation like they're, um, they're a bit ill-disciplined and whether that's right or wrong, it doesn't matter. It's the fact that that's the perception at the moment. The numbers are, are leaning towards them because they're giving away far too many penalties. Whether all those penalties are justified, you could sit here all day and argue it, and I don't think they all are, but that's rugby. That's how it goes. We've got to find a way to change the perception of these referees, and we're not an overly popular side up north. You know, the way Czech says what he thinks and speaks out a bit, he's not all that popular, and so as a result, we've just got to find a way to, to get ourselves on the right side of the penalty count. Yeah, the Fox Sports Lab uh, crunched the numbers for us uh, today. Uh, our mate Nathan upstairs did, Nathan. A, did a sterling job. And then, uh, so it turns out the Wallabies are the second most penalised 
uh, of the major nations this season. Argentina the most penalised, uh, and, and then I think England third, New Zealand fourth. It's it's all pretty close, though. As you touched upon, Ireland uh, are giving away two or three less penalties than than Argentina or the Wallabies. But yeah, I don't know. It's a it's it's a real head scratcher. Well, it's no surprise that the Argentinians have been giving away so many penalties. They they did that right throughout the Super Rugby. It's I think it's hard to uh, just to switch yeah. from Super Rugby to Test Rugby in terms of discipline like the it seems like a bit of a cultural sort of thing. And when you guys got Nicolas Sanchez, who every second week is pretending to be injured... Doesn't mind a dive. Oh, they watch a lot of so- soccer or football growing up. That's what they think is acceptable. Yeah. So, uh, predictions, boys. Can the, the England clearly start favourites on home soil? But what, what chance do you give the Wallabies here? Yeah, I, I give the Wallabies a massive chance. In fact, I think that we probably will win. And I, I say that because of the three forwards that are missing from the English side. Like... In June, those three forwards were, were the best three. Like, there's others that were good, but Atoje, Vunapolo, and Haskell, like, they're outstanding. So I say you take three forwards out of any world-class side and it, it makes life a little bit more difficult. I think the Wallabies are, are, have actually improved and they're playing at a good tempo. And we've heard for ages all season that their skill levels is their focus and Mick Burns trying to add this and you can certainly see some of that. So you can never get an 80-minute performance out of a team. That's a, a really annoying cliche but the Wallabies played really well for 20 30 minutes last weekend if we do that for 30 or 40 or 50 and if you get 50 minutes then that's you know get your you take your opportunities I think the I think the Wallabies can win but it'll it'll be hard and it'll be one of their best wins in a long time if they can win Christy come Sunday morning uh, 3.30 a.m. am I going to have to pick you up off the, 1:30 off the ground uh, I'm talking, finishes, about, talking about full finishes, time mate, uh, come on. Yeah. am I going to have to uh, give you sometimes I just think you're <laughs> not with it mate you're just <laughs> off with the fairies are we going to be uh, high-fiving or am I going to have to give you a cuddle come 3.30 a.m. Sunday mate I'm, I'm pretty excited about the test match I think um, what I'm really interested to see is how the set piece stands up right throughout that English series the line out struggled um, I think Stephen Moore particularly will be really excited and for the for the challenge that that lies ahead um, the scrum more recently has struggled a little bit we, we saw the, the the French dominate the Wallaby scrum and then even last week against the Irish it was probably a little bit more even but still you looked at it and the Irish probably had the upper hand for most of most of the 80 minutes um so i think if the wallabies can can win the set piece battle then i think yeah then they, they can certainly win because bernard foley looks great at 10 at the moment i'm really hoping that um i think henry spade's probably been the, one of the more unlucky blokes of late he's had two tries that have been disallowed over the last couple of weeks uh with the with the with the forward pass last week and then going back to the to the shepherd the previous one so um if, if perhaps Sefanai Valley comes in, but um, oh, I think the Wallabies will be in by, by a try. Stephen, any other thoughts, mate, before we sign off? Uh, no, I'll just probably say, look, it's our last podcast for a while. Um, it's been really... Are we doing one next week? We're not doing a review, are we? No. <laughs> oh, I was just thinking about that. Uh, we, yeah, we might get into... A season a, review? We might get into... A Let's bring review. the whiteboard in and do a season review. Highs and lows. Highs, Let's lows. Let's do that. We'll do that next week. Let's do that. I reckon next week will be our best, our best podcast. Highest rating? No, just, yeah, I don't know about highest rating. I don't care if people rate it or not. We'll have fun. That's what matters, yeah. Exciting times. We might even do a Facebook Live next week. Yeah, Facebook Live. Dust, there we go. Dust that off. And you got to dress like you normally do, Christy. Yeah. <laughs> sure. All right, we'll, uh, we'll probably wrap it up there. We've got to go and get ready for our Fox Sports Christmas party tonight. Uh, we'll, we'll get our frocks on. Christy's going to throw a dress on. Stephen Halls is running out of the, the building to get his first drink. So thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll uh, more than likely join you next week to hopefully celebrate a good Wallabies win.